you're listening to Season 2 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, CeCe Broadus. Welcome to episode 59 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm C.C. Broadus, and I'm joined by Mr. Alan Schneider. Alan, are you there? I am indeed, and I feel great, and I'm ready to rock and roll with another great weekend of racing, because we certainly had a great weekend of racing last week, did we not? That's what's so great about the sport, man. It's just uh, that, that loads and loads of grade one races last weekend uh, topped off by the test of the champion, the Belmont Stakes, at a mile and a half. It was a, a great card indeed. Uh, let's let's talk about that card real quick. Uh, uh, first of all, your thoughts on Essential Quality running down the loose on the lead hot rod, Charlie. There's been so much talk about who ran the better race, who ran the better race. It almost like people had to have something to debate about sometimes. It's like, you know, they settle the score on the track. I think a lot of people forget online, you know. Uh, it's... It, it's okay to say that both horses ran their asses off. They did. Uh, I mean, Essential Quality won the race. That, that's what we're here to do, right? That's what Brad Cox is here to do. It's what Doug O'Neill's here to do. Uh, mile and a half races, oftentimes, if you can get out on the lead, you know, the pace can almost be irrelevant. Uh, that's taking nothing away from Hot Rod Charlie. But uh, if you can stay at a distance of ground and still pass horses, that's what it's all about. Uh, if, if you can stay... You don't kick at a mile and a half like you do on a, in a mile turf race. If you can stay and grind out and pass horses, that's a true test of a, of a, of a real warrior. And the central quality passed that test. That's not to say, take anything away from Hot Rod Charlie. And I think my boy Rambar ran pretty well, to be honest with you. But I thought it was two great efforts. And uh, I was fine with whoever won the race because I was set up. But uh, at the same time, uh, I thought, I thought the, the top two ran their eyeballs out like everybody else thinks. So. I'm assuming you feel the same way. Oh yeah, you got to respect the top two for sure. And then you know, I, let's talk about Rombauer for a second. Now, you were, you and I were just talking off, off air. Uh, my opinion, Rombauer probably regressed off the big effort in the Preakness, and his pedigree is not really slanted toward a mile and a half. So he's not going to, he's not going to be. Uh, uh, that's that's not his game. But I think going forward, if we see him pop up in the Haskell, uh, some of these nine furlong races, uh, he may be effective up to ten furlongs. I mean, we'll just have to see. But I, I think uh, I think we'll, we'll hear from him in the fall or, or late yeah. summer at the very least. He stayed, and that's what I like with the horse. He stayed. He outran his pedigree. The top two got away. But you have a hard time passing Ryan Barr in LA, and I think that's something people completely overlook. That said, he was no threat to the top two. Don't get me wrong. But he certainly – and this is something I always get a kick out of is horse players will automatically give an excuses to horses that run up the track and they will do everything they can to knock horses that run big efforts. And I know this is a secondary uh, thing to the top two because the top two of the story, but that's been talked to death. They bet known agenda and they bet uh, rock your world over Rombauer who won the Preakness. Those two horses didn't run a step in the Derby. They got beat double digits but because that's the way horse players are trained to think, I have to excuse the bad effort and knock the good effort. And for the entire day on Belmont Day, 
uh, those two horses were favored up in the very last bit over Ryan Bauer. And it kind of shows you the, the mentality sometimes of horse players. They won't just take the easy one on occasion. And that's just my, and that's not about the Belmont or the fact that I'm a Ron Bauer fan. It's the fact that that you see that all the time. And that said in the races, it mean that much, but it also did prove that known agenda and rock your world were overhyped, particularly rock your world. I mean, my God. So anyway, that's, both of them. they're one trick ponies. I mean, known agenda and rock your world. Just, just have the, the one race, the one big race to their credit. I mean, that, that, to be honest, I mean, honestly, they, the, the race that they ran would, would make them competitors. In Agreed. Three-year-old races, but that is all that they ran. Uh, yeah. To this, to date. I mean, all their other races have been relatively slow. So, yeah, they may be vulnerable going, probably would be, they'll be good four-year-olds and they may yeah. be later in the year, but, uh, you know, uh, just that, not, not right now. Not right. It's just, it's silly watching the way that the odds get bet sometimes and stuff, but, you know, that said, top two are fantastic. Just fantastic. Yeah. Anything else uh, on that Belmont card that struck your fancy domestic spending? The true scope. Oh, to me, the star of the day is. I mean, and maybe I'm I'm a little bit biased, but uh, the, the star of the day was. I mean, actually, got to give Latrusco a little bit of credit. Quite, but she just ran those horses off their feet. One term out, goddess, uh, just in great form. But domestic spending, uh, that horse to me is every bit the mile and a quarter horse. He finally got the opportunity to prove it. And in his last two races, when it, when Flavian Pratt said it was time to go, I swear to God that horse has almost went sideways his last two times. It's almost like the power steering went out on a car when you're trying to make a turn. It's like he's doing everything he can to keep this horse from going sideways. Once he does, he levels off. The horse closes uh, like a train. I think we had talked with Caitlin last week, that uh, Caitlin Free, that there may not be any elite horses in the yellow turf division. I think we may have to, have to put an asterisk on that because on domestic spending certainly looked like an absolute force the way she, uh, the horses kicked the last two times. So uh, I was happy to see that horse perform the way he did. And I think the Arlington Million or Arlington Beverly, what, what do they call it now? The Mr. D. Uh, the Mr. D has got one hell of a racehorse coming their way come August. Uh, I think we need to tip her cap to Latruska. Oh, yeah. Again, went wire to wire in the Ogden Fifths. Now she's won two grade ones in a row. Mm-hmm. And she's defeated just about every good filly that's out there, maybe with the exclusion of uh, Andrutant. And, of course, the three-year-old fillies who, uh, who appear to be uh, formidable, but they won't face each other till till down the line. And uh, right. another tip of the cap to you. I think you were on Drain the Clock in the Woody Stevens, and he uh, was was uh, – Really uh, impressive in defeating uh, Jackie's Warrior in in that race. Uh, I've liked that horse for a long time. I was fortunate fortunate enough to get the, get the day started with that one, and it, it did help me out. But I think there was did, did, I didn't get to watch the race live. Jackie's Warrior had a little bit of problems. Is that correct? He missed the break and had a rush up. I mean, that probably cost him the race. But that said, I, I'll be honest, I could not believe that horse was seven to one. I thought that horse would be five to two to one. So every once in a while, the gods. Smile on you from an overlay standpoint, and it did in that case. But uh, that horse is a legitimate one-turn force to be reckoned with. So I think you'll hear more from Drain the Clock down the road. Yep. All right, let's talk about Churchill Downs now. Uh, Yay! We, yeah, before we get to our special guest, I just want to hit on the uh, the trainer and jockey stand. Uh, this is through Thursday's card, I do believe. I've got Brad Cox with 15 
wins out of 56 starters, but the surprise is Chris Hartman with 13 wins out of 30 starts, a 43% strike rate. And uh, uh, Mike Maker's third, Brendan Walsh fourth, Tom Amen. It's the usual characters, uh, usual suspects on on top of the list, but Hartman has been uh, on fire as of late. Yeah, he has. You know, when you look back, when you – when you play the horses, and I make no secret about it, I'm a Kentucky circuit guy. I will dabble in the other in the other circuits, but I'm a Kentucky circuit guy. That's what I pay attention to. So at the end of any meet, I like to take a look back, or as, as the meet's going on, and see where I've been right, where I've been wrong, what I've overlooked, and be honest with yourself. At all times, be honest with yourself, you know. And there are some things I've done right, and one of the things that I have done wrong that I've overlooked is I have not used Chris Hartman enough. And of those 15 wins you mentioned, I may have only won on him once or twice. That's on me. The ship may have sailed. But congratulations to him. And it's something I'll work on that I have not uh, had him enough and recognize how incredibly well he and Mitchell Merle were going uh, for a while. So uh, kudos to Chris Hartman for the run he's he's been on. Uh, yeah, one thing we need to point out is uh, Steve Askewson is – He's, I think I've got him at sixth on the list, but he's only he's only twelve percent uh, for a stable that hits you know anywhere from twenty to twenty five percent you know most meets. But he's really been ice cold by his standards this meet. Yeah, but you know what? I will say this, and with Asmus, what you'll see, we're all expecting those great two year olds. Winchell two-year-olds and some of the other ones to pop up early in the meet and run their eyeballs out. That hasn't happened. But what we have seen in the past, and we may see it at both Saratoga and Ellis, and maybe even the end of the Churchill meet, some of these one-star horses, it happens at Ellis Park all the time, that some one-star horses that will just that will just get an education, and they'll go off in the 6-7-1 range, come off some seventh-place win, and then they'll air at Ellis. And they'll do the same thing at Saratoga with some of the better stocks. So, I would not give up on Steve Asmussen yet. That said, as I do play the horses, as cold as he's been, I, I hate to use cold as a relative term with someone like Steve Asmussen. It has affected how I've um, played some of the races. That said, going forward, we may be taught what I just alluded to. He may be an overlay down the road, and you may be able to get this guy seven, eight to one on two-year-olds that you never thought you would. So, I mean, what do you? How do you see that? Well, he just may be saving. Uh his best two-year-olds for Saratoga. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he does there going forward. Uh, I mean, we still got three weeks or what, two weeks left of the meet. He may, he may unveil some superstars here shortly to get them ready for the, for the big races, uh, the stakes races at Saratoga, Saratoga special and the Schuylerville and, and those type of races. So I think it's been a fun meet at Churchill. I, I have no, I, I don't, people knock Churchill. Uh, it's you know you and I we are both fans we love it we're we're long time fans I think that I think uh, I like the way things have somewhat evened out this meet it seems like for lack of a better term it feels like everyone's getting their share and uh, some of the some of the second tier quote unquote like uh, second tier trainers even though I don't look at them as second tier I know you don't either uh, they're winning their share of the races too they're winning the stakes races and I would even give a shout out to uh, Waylon Cundiff. Small-time guy and Derek Bright today, two small-time Kentucky trainers, small-time compared to the Todd Pletchers and Chad Browns of the world. They got big wins today and big pots. So it's good to see that love spread around, and uh, I think it's been a great meet. And before we get to our our guests today, 
we want to hit on the jockey standings too real quick. Uh, Tyler Gaffley owns probably going to run away with the jockey title, 34 wins to Florent Giroux at 21. Now, Gaffley owns ridden about 80, 75 to 80 races more than Giroux. And then Santana's third, uh, Brian Hernandez fourth on down. Corey Lannery is in eighth place, which is surprising as he's won yeah. several, several titles yes. in the past. And, uh, he's just not riding at the same clip that he normally is. But, uh, yeah, Gaffleon is running away with it. And it looks like to me he's kind of worked his way into the Brad Cox barn. So I, I would expect mm-hmm. the steady diet of Cox and Gaffleon in Saratoga this summer. Yeah, I, I, I think that, I think you might be right. It kind of seems like Drew maybe not riding as much. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, it could be I'm reading too much. Maybe the fact that Gaffleon just kind of forced his way in. But, uh, he's, Gaffleon's been doing a really good job giving us, putting his horses in the right spot, making the right decisions. He, the last two years, he's really taken over the, really made himself a force, uh, in Louisville. Uh, a couple guys you probably should mention who, who, who have been riding extremely well, or three, I can think of three off the top of my head, who may not get that notoriety are, uh, Mitchell Morrow, as I just mentioned. I don't know how many wins he has. Uh, you've got the numbers in front of you, I'm assuming. 15. But he's he, been riding the, uh, the Hartman train. Hartman horse. And he goes inside. He'll duck inside. Uh, he's helped me. Now, he has helped me out quite a bit this meet. So uh, kudos to him. But I also got to mention Colby Hernandez, who I know our next guest is pretty fond of, and rightfully so. I think he's had a bit of a – for me at the very least. And and John Court, the ageless John Court, is 60 years old. And if you bet every one of his horses this meet, you'd be, you'd be way, way, way ahead. So uh, it's, it's fun watching all those guys uh, – it's, uh, getting the winner's circle. Uh, it, it just makes for a nice, uh, some parody and it makes good for betters, I believe. All right. Well, let's turn our attentions to our guest, uh, a familiar guest who has had a wonderful racing weekend and Alan's going to introduce her right now. Yeah. As Cece just mentioned, we have a, a repeat guest. Our favorite, one of our favorite guests, maybe our favorite guest. I don't know. I want to put anybody's feelings out, but, uh, she's back and she's back because one of the things we truly enjoy here at the Auxiliary Gate podcast is being able to highlight and celebrate in some small way the successes of people we like and admire in the game. And especially when one of our favorite people wins stakes races in Kentucky and New York. In the same damn week, like our friend and guest, Michelle Lovell, just did. So, Michelle, welcome back to the pod. Congratulations on a huge week. And how are you feeling these days? I'm still on cloud nine. It's been great. And thank you so much for that awesome introduction. You got it. Um, Yeah, no, it's it's been a really good couple of months, but um, 48 hours of... uh, winning at graded stakes and then a stakes with my own horse with my partner um dr Griffon. it's that was like the uh, big time icing on the cake of a of a week so yeah fun yeah well you know i know everybody at, uh across the, the churchill was all happy for you. you know we were happy for you not surprised with change of controls effort in belmont first and foremost going back to last thursday um goes up to new york I think I got a little, a little rain that, if I'm not mistaken, that day, correct? Kind of helped yeah, things sure out does. even a little more so. Easily wins the grade three intercontinental at seven furlongs. So my question to you is, what prompted the decision to go to the Big Apple? And 
why seven furlongs? Did you think she had it in there? Obviously, did. You were obviously right, but why seven furlongs? Well, what prompted us to go there is um, her owner, uh, Perry Harrison, uh, along with his dad, Roddy Harrison, um, campaigned the Philly. And just we've, we've been trying to find, uh, well, hard to find graded stakes races for the Phillies sprinting on the turf. And uh, and we're trying to, you know, put a, put a G by her name, and which we accomplished. And we just missed um, in a prior um uh, graded stakes she finished fourth and it was like a big go oh, <laughs> that's too mm. bad but um so we um we had plans uh perry wanted to run her uh going six furlongs a little shorter distance than the seven but it was against the boys in the diaper and uh, mm. it was going to be a you know big ask for her and uh, there was also two other fillies that were entered or mares but um got to talking about it and She's so kind. She settles so well. And we early on thought that we were going to try to stretch her out a couple of times and it just happened to rain off the turf. And and uh, and we did. We stretched her out once at Kentucky Downs going six and a half furlongs and it was a soft turf and, and she didn't really fire in that at all. She just didn't really like that kind of turf course at that time. So she's matured so much. So I don't know if we wouldn't try that again with her um, just because she's just a bigger, stronger um grittier Philly now but um yeah Perry decided to um we decided to you know together to point to the Philly race and um seven furlongs I thought she she could handle it because we thought she would just rate and I talked to Colby about it and he said oh yeah he said uh we'll just you know break and let her be in the race and then um I'll just wait a little longer to move and when the when the form came out there there wasn't a lot of speed in there at all. So it looked like, you know, we could definitely um, get the lead, you know, just by accident. So um, we just, you know, said, don't move too soon. And then, and then she just sat where in a regular spot, just kind of tracking and, and, and still rolled home really fast. It was a very, very nice race from her. So we were thinking about, we could even maybe stretch her out um, a little farther. So uh, she's at least open doors and, Given us some options. Well, that's what we mentioned last week when we were giving you your props last week when we taped the show with the Caitlin Free. Uh, this horse has opened a few doors for you now, going seven furlongs. We were wondering, is are we thinking a mile? Or is there is there anything you have in mind? Is it, it can we go further I, with this horse? What's the deal? I would love. It's just so limited for graded stakes uh, for yeah. the fillies and mare. So, um, you know, I would love to try her a mile. I wouldn't even mind two turns. I just she's just. Um, She's just doing so well, and she never is – I think she's been tired twice in her whole career after a race. Otherwise, she's barely blown when she comes back. She cools out quick, and she always recovers. She's just got a great recovery time on her. So, um, you know, I wouldn't mind stretching her out even further. But what I understand um, talking to her owner is the plan is uh, going forward to go to Woodbine, which we had on our radar last year. And that just didn't happen because of the pandemic. So um, there's it's six furlongs against the girls, and it's a grade two, the Royal North. And oh that's yeah, in August. Yeah, so it that's a nice fit for her. For her it next sounds start. Like a, well, you know, and so I was wondering. And first off, you didn't get to go to Belmont, I don't think, did you? No, unfortunately, it was a bummer not to go because I love Belmont. I've been there 
I went there in 2017 with my Philly fault and ran in a graded state. She ran third that day. And it's, you know, Belmont is so traditional. It's beautiful. It's such a great place to be. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed my visit there and our run. And um, I really wanted to be there. But, you know, the the help situation right now for everybody. For everyone, um, yeah. Yeah, it's everywhere at every track, every stable or, you know, everybody's just got enough people or, or, or down there, you know, their help is a little bit down. So I had to send, um, my assistant, which rides and he can do everything. And, um, I had to stay here cause I had to make sure that my horses going into the races here were, um, you know, being attended to and, um, and just might, he is a beast on the track. So I always have to go with him on the pony. So if I couldn't, uh, you know Chad which is my Chad Mouton which is my assistant um if he couldn't be here to get on the pony or the horse I was like I have to stay so it was a bummer yeah. but um Chad did a great job we 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 um shipped into Brittany Trimble's uh barn um, which was a great place to land um and her assistant Amanda Olds was awesome uh to us so uh, you know it was it was just a, a good um it's it was good all around. They they did a nice job for us too. First New York win. Have you had a, a win in New York before? Uh, only as a jockey, one time. Huh. Yeah. So that's two wins in <laughs> at Belmont. So it's come full circle then. That's great. But yeah, I know. I know that had to be a thrill. But I mean, the thrill was I don't want to say it was short lived, uh, because there was another thrill coming 48 hours later, because back home in Louisville on Saturday, while everybody's preparing for the Belmont Essential Quality and Hot Rod Charlie, you had your own star. Make it two stakes in a week when Just Might wired the Mighty Bowfield under a great ride by Colby Hernandez, by the way. That was, that was fantastic. So, I mean, sitting up on cloud nine, did, did you expect that sharper return to form after Just Might's last couple of tries? Because, I mean, it was razor sharp effort uh, to get another stakes for you. Yeah, I did, actually. Um, oh, really? I, yeah, I was really excited about his race. Uh, um, when we, we saw that in the book, I was like, oh, he's going to be ready for this race. And, and I think we will have, we'll have a winner. And, and he, he ran, he ran awesome. Colby did an excellent job. I didn't really love being in the two hole, which ended up on the rail because the one horse scratched. Um, and, you know, I just told Colby that, you know, we had the most speed if we used it. And, uh, of course, Brian Lynch has a really nice horse in there too. And, and, um, they went and sent, and I think, you know, smartly to try to take the race away from my horse um, as well. And uh, I told Colby, don't give up your spot. Don't give up your rail. And while I was watching it, I was like, just keep going. Go, 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 you know. And and he persevered. And then once he finally got to the lead clear, um, you know, he had him going so fast. Colby's like, I said, but he didn't corner very well. And he's like, no. He said, I knew as hard as I was sending him that when I got to the turn, I was going to have a, a little bit of a time getting him around it. And because uh, he's just going so fast and and um, but Colby did an excellent job and my horse ran great. I was very proud of him. He came out of it. Both my horses, um, they've already been on the track um, since their races and full of themselves. So it's great to see them recover like that. So they're re- so they're ready to get going again. It's always a sign of a good horse to me or a, a big effort, I should say, when you have a speed horse who is on the inside of a horse on its outside. And that horse actually gets the lead, whether it be by head, half length. And that horse on the rail can still get the lead eventually and then draw off. And that's what Just Might did. So I thought it was a primo effort. 
Thank and I know you. you did. I know you did too. But something I wanted to convey as we talk to you today is it's not just just might. It's it's not just change of control. I know those are those are ones you get the trophies for and they get a lot of press. But you've been on fire lately. Chris Hartman's been on fire at Churchill, granted, but you have been on fire. Everything you've been sending out's been running well. I've got a list here. I mean. I can go through them. In Sky We Trust <laughs> one last week for 50. I mean, easily. Uh, maybe later ran a big second. Sale on Ellen just missed. Just missed on Friday. Uh, you're on a roll. How's that feeling? Everything you're sending. What's the secret? Everything's running big. Yeah, it's um, it's just they're they're just firing really well. Um, and they're getting you know they're going into their races. Um, for, with them, they have a lot of confidence. I can feel it in them. You know, when we're out on the track and. You know, we were really ready for them, you know, to step up and and uh, didn't doubt like even Sale on Ellen was 20 to one morning line. And I thought, man, I, I know this filly's going to run really big. And um, she just couldn't hold on. And then my other filly, uh, Dynamite Gift, she's uh, full to just might. I thought we had that race won. I did too. And <laughs> uh, we got zapped on the very last jump uh, or two, I guess, from uh, Brian Lynch had a. a a really nice first time starter in there um, that I think they loved. And um, so anyway, you know, the seconds are, especially in the allowance type races, um, they're the next best check to get while these horses are young minded and still learning. So we're, you know, I'm really pleased with them. You know, I want to win them all, but if we're going to not win seconds uh, with these purses are like wins at a lot of places. So um, it's, it's really good for their owners uh, to be able to, you know, if we get a chance to run back at the purses before we go, um, that's a great, maybe it'll be a win next time, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate the money you're making me, but I've been preaching that for God knows <laughs> how long. So i got a couple more questions for you, Michelle. You know I do, but i, I got to give Cece his chance here. Okay. Hey, Michelle, let's go back and talk about Just Might a little bit. I wanted to ask you, because uh, the horse ran a huge race on dirt, back at fairgrounds do you think maybe that uh, what's your kind of philosophy on uh on really gigantic efforts do you think the horse maybe bounced or regressed a little bit physically (laughs) i know you said the horse was training well but it it, it took about it took three starts to get back to a to a winning effort what what's your philosophy on on coming out of big races like that you know he could have very well bounced off that huge effort at fairgrounds. Uh, I think more than anything, he kind of likes it his way, um, too. So, um, uh, you know, he, I think he got a bounced around a little bit and, and he just didn't fire once he got bounced around a little bit. And then, uh, his race, he ended up, uh, um, the, the stake that he ran here prior to the one he won, um, there was, it was wet. The the turf course was really soft that day and not one, I don't think one race on the turf, um, anybody that was on or near the lead um, actually won. So he didn't run a bad race that day. Uh, he faded very late, but um, I didn't think the effort was his fault. I, th- I think it was um, the, the track he didn't love. Um, well, I don't think he did. I don't think he minded the track. I just don't think that it played at all towards speed. So um, he's still come out of all of his races really good, but he was going into this race excellent. And um, I don't know, you know, he's uh, he's honest. He's a he's a really talented horse, and he's very honest. Um, you know, 
change of control, like you can take her. She's so honest that uh, she'll try on anything. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just being a filly, a mare, you know, those, as long as you don't hurt their feelings, they give you everything. And um, so, you know, sometimes just might, I, I wonder if he put out the, his best effort sometimes. So, but he, but he has, when he, when he does, he does, he does 110%. Any chance you'll return that horse to dirt anytime in the future? Um, you know, I've played with the idea. I had him uh, nominated to Aristides, just thinking about it, and I thought, God, I, I just can't, I just can't do it with a five furlong turf race coming up. If it had been five furlong dirt, I would have tried it. But to stretch him, you know, a little bit farther on the dirt against really great dirt horses, uh, I just, I didn't think it was time to do that yet. So yeah. I'm sure when we get in a spot where we need to, and, and obviously anytime it comes off the turf, we're even sitting better, but um, he doesn't mind the dirt. I just, you know, I don't want to try something different when this is working for him until we have to. Right. Um, another horse I wanted to ask you about that's in your stable. I, I think the horse's name is Brooklyn's the bomb. Oh yeah. I'm waiting on this one. I'm waiting on this horse. Yeah. I, <laughs> Yeah, the horse uh, in his debut, he ran third uh, for Maiden 50, I think, at Churchill. His first right. start. Uh, uh, I notice he's kind of got a, a bit of a turf pedigree. Any chance he'll show up on the grass anytime soon? Yes. Um, so she, she, it's a filly, and uh, there, there is a race for her. And actually, it's I've got two. I've got Dynamite Gift and Brooklyn. Um, that are pointed for the same race. So I'm hoping that it overfills uh, on the 19th. It's a five and a half on the turf. Um, it suits them both. Well, I wouldn't want them both in the same race. So we're going to have to see how that plays out. Um, she in Brooklyn will stretch eventually. Um, she showed a heck of a lot of speed on the dirt, which was a surprise that she went that fast, that easily. It surprised her rider, Gabriel, and um, so, you know, I, I don't want to stretch her out just yet because I don't want her to <laughs> do that. But um, she's really immature yet. She's just a, she's just a little tiny thing, too. Um, but I, I like her a lot. She's pretty cool, a little filly. So the 19th, um, it's a main special race for her. And let's talk about your future. Uh, I think I heard that you're maybe going to Colonial Downs this summer. Yeah, for sure. Go in there. That's the plan. I've been planning on it for a long time, and it's uh, it's been a little bit uh, scary thought because uh, the help situation, like I said before, is is um, concerning um, anyway. And then then telling them they have to move again for two months and then move back. Uh, a lot of the guys didn't want to go, um, and not just in my stable. Some stables have had to cancel because their help will not go because we can't make them, <laughs> right. you know, they follow, they follow the job around so well now it's, it's hard, you know, and they have families here and some of them have homes here. And, um, but so far I've got just about a complete crew that's going to go. And, uh, I'm just, I'm going, I got to go. There's no help to be hired. I hear up that way. So you've got to take your own crew. And, um, so that's, that's what's, been pretty stressful but yeah I'm looking forward to it I think it's going to be a nice um kind of an adventure uh we've never done it before and um I just hear a lot of positive things about their 
turf course and their dirt course. And um, I, I think it's just going to be a nice time for us. So we'll see. Hopefully our horses fit really well. I think they will. And the purses are excellent. I think Alan's been there. I've, I've never been to Colonial. Is, is there anything to do there outside of the racetrack? I, I heard the place oh. is kind of remote. Is that not? Is that the case or no? It's, uh, I've, I've heard it's really remote. <laughs> it's really not. It's it's actually right off the interstate, off I-64. It's it's in New Kent, Virginia. And if you, you turn off the interstate, it's uh, two and a half, three hours from Virginia Beach, right outside Richmond. And you turn up the interstate. There it is. It looks like it looks like it's called Colonial Downs Street. It looks like Thomas Jefferson's house. <laughs> and it looks like Monticello. And it's I had a blast there. I went there twice on the way to Virginia Beach. And you've got uh, Williamsburg, Bush Gardens is down the road. Uh, Virginia Beach is a couple hours away. Like I said, Richmond's back the other way about an hour. I really enjoyed it. So I, I hope you do well there. I wish I was going to Virginia Beach this year. I'd stop in. We're going to Destin now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Destin, that's nice, too. Well, so that's never... my plan. That's my plan. You know, I thought, well, what can we do? Because I know it's remote. Uh, and, you know, but I love the country. And so I I, I will love, I, I don't think I'll mind that at all. And uh, I guess, um, like you said, the, the two cities, you know, either, either direction, um, there's a lot of things to do. Uh, around there and and i didn't realize virginia beach was that far away i, I thought it was about an hour away so Maybe anyway i plan hours. on getting to a beach for sure so that'll be fun yeah I, i'm a big fan of virginia beach by the way but anyway go ahead cc if you got something uh, michelle i was just gonna offer up my services i think I've, I've done this before if you need an exercise rider i weigh about <laughs> 20 <laughs> I'll push it, on all the bad ones. <laughs> it's a light. It's a light 220 though. You ride light. That's what they say when they're big guys. Yeah, I ride yeah, light. <laughs> and, I, and I have real soft hands. That's good. That's all. That's, that's all that matters. That's what my girlfriend tells me anyway. Oh, good. Well, good for you. <laughs> Lucky girl. <laughs> on that note. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, I actually, I know you have a horse on Saturday night, uh, named Pearl Girl. And before I get to Pearl Girl, I was going to ask you something I want to ask a lot of trainers. You know, we enjoy night racing. I'm going to night racing this week. I, I recommend anybody do it. It's fantastic. But as a trainer, as a horseman, a horsewoman, uh, is it hard? Is the night racing enjoyable? Do you, do you dread it? Do you look forward to it? Is the next day tough? What, what's up? Um, I would say if we did it every single night like we used to do uh, when I was in the Texas racing at Lone Star in Houston, it was really, it was really hard. It was hard on our crew. Um, you're just working all day with a little breaks in between and they're getting right up. And if you're in the last race, you're, you're up in a few hours, um, after you take care of the horse and put them to bed, um, for the next day and it goes on and on. So, um, but the way Churchill does their night racing, it's, it's really nice. It's, it's not every week and, um, they do a, and a fabulous job. It's a, a really nice crowd. Um, and yeah, it's not a bother. We've got two in and we're in early. So we always hope for that. But uh, yeah, the night racing here at Churchill is, is pleasurable um, as far as it, you know, not being just awful. There's a big crowd. And, and the only thing you can say about that is if you have nervous horses, you know, it is a nice big crowd. So that would be the only downfall for horsemen. So I, I quickly perused over Saturday's entries, and I saw Pearl Girl. Who's the other one you have? I didn't notice. Uh, see the pyramid. He's a he's a horse that we had claimed, and he's just um, we're, he's gonna give him a try. 
we've had him on the turf. He actually has turf breeding and, and uh, we were stuck with no other place to run. And he ran on the turf, not bad, but we really wanted to get him back on the dirt. So we're going to give him a try on the dirt again. And, uh, and then Pearl girl, um, she is, so it'll be her third start. And uh, she ran on Derby day um, in a maiden special on the grass. And she did, she, she fought really hard. She, she didn't get beat too far. And um, it was a good learning experience for her. So hopefully um, she she doesn't look too overmatched in here. She hopefully will step up some and uh, and show up. It would be really awesome. She's she's <laughs> she's a neat little filly. Well, you know, I, I'm going to be there. Probably my family, those friends. I'm not sure. I know people like you have friends. I'm like, yeah, I got a couple of friends. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you're when you get done, you know, you got free drinks coming, right? All you got to do is uh, look me up, send me a text. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have uh, fun. Uh, if you want something neat, we'll get something neat, too. I'll owe, owe you some money. Um, <laughs> okay. That's it. What I was wondering about, with you and the other trainers and stuff, do you guys rib each other, uh, Drury or whomever? Do you guys compete? Is it friendly competition? Or do you guys uh, – how does that work? Is it? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, like, pretty friendly anyway. So uh, I, you know – and Tommy is, is very nice. I don't know him real well on a personal level. I just think that he's very, um, he's a very nice person and well-known around here. So he has a lot of friends and he takes a pretty good ribbing anyway from everybody. So I chime <laughs> in a little bit now because, because he doesn't mind. So, uh, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, not very many other people tease around too much. I, I, <laughs> I teased the other day with a, a trainer that won the race and I finished second and as I was walking by, I told them, I was like, cheese, you know, and, and like congratulated and they just are stoic about it. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I'll, quit, oh. I'll quit being silly, but you know, I was happy for people. We couldn't win, but we ran a great second. So I was happy for them, you know? So, um, so funny. Yeah, I really, feel exactly the same way. Yeah. I did yeah. exactly the way I am. Yeah. Let's hope there's a little friendly competition. <laughs> friendly competition is always good. I mean, yeah, you, you want to win, but when you, when you realize you, you weren't going to, you know, you didn't get cheated out of it. You, you tried really hard and you, and you had a good run. And, um, you know, I'm happy for other people always. So. All right. Well, we don't want to keep you too long, but I have one last question. I know you're going to Colonial. Will you run anything else? Or do you, is that too far no. off to worry about? Uh, I haven't, I haven't made a plan to run at Ellis because, let's see, we're done here on the 26th and we'll be shipping out um the first week of july so i mean i guess there's a i don't i don't know what day i'm sure ellis starts right away i haven't opened the book because i wasn't planning on it but that's not to say that there might not be a perfect race before we go that we would hit so um but for the most part i just plan on um getting them ready for colonial once this is over well we wish you with the best of luck obviously the remainder of the Churchill meet, and obviously down in uh, near Richmond, Virginia, Colonial Downs. I'm sure you're gonna, you'll probably dominate that track. But, oh uh, no! <laughs> but I would love to. I hope you're right. Yeah, that would be great. It's a fun place. You'll really like it. And uh, I, because you're going there, I will pay. I'm a Kentucky guy. Anybody knows me knows I'm a Kentucky guy. But I will pay more attention to Virginia racing. See. Make sure I can make some money off you and down there in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Yes, good. Do it. Yeah, because I think you must be good luck. Because you bet on them, you make money, and and we make money, and everybody's <laughs> happy, right? That's exactly right. 
Well, thank you again, Michelle. Uh, thanks for dropping by, and uh, good luck this weekend. Good luck going forward, and once again, congratulations on a week to remember. All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Y'all are all, always awesome and uh, fun um, to talk with. So, um, and I'll see you Saturday. Yeah, please do. For yeah, drinks. you got it. It's on me. It's on me. <laughs> okay. All right, see you later, Michelle. All right. Thank you, Michelle. Bye. Bye. And that was Michelle Lovell, our BFF. Amen. And uh, yeah, Alan, and she's uh, just the, the the perfect guest for us. She is, and uh, she we I almost like to refer to her as a co-host because I mean she's that good. I mean we, she could probably kick us off the show and just take it over. Uh, but you know we hope I, she doesn't do that. But I I, w- I would advocate my throne. <laughs> I would listen to that podcast. Yeah, she's good. She's great, and uh, and her horses are run exceptional. If I'm not mistaken, I may be wrong about this. I believe she's got 22 starters this meet, and I want to say she's hit the board. Uh, like, I don't know, 15, 16 times in those. I mean, it's they, her horses always run well. They, they fire, they're consistent, and uh, it does not go unnoticed. And I know you and I do not go unnoticed. And, and I think maybe more people are actually trying to catch on and, and such. So, 13 had, out of 22 on the board. 13 out of 22. She, she had one hit the board today, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're taping this part on Friday night. So, great, great week for my Michelle. She, she deserves all the bit of a success she's having. Okay, let's focus now on Churchill's Saturday night card, Downs After Dark, another delicious smorgasbord of thoroughbred racing. Unfortunately, I will not be in attendance. As Unfortunate. I will be in Cincinnati uh, watching the Cincinnati Reds, but I will be playing from afar. I think we're going to skip the first four races tonight and just focus on the last seven. Is that correct? You want to talk about race five? I'll mention race five, yeah. All right. That's a one-mile starter optional claimer. It's uh, for the uh, Phillies and Mares who have either started for a claiming tag or are starting for a claiming tag on Saturday night of 20,000. The favorites from the Deodoro Barn, keep your distance, nine to five on the morning line. This is five. The five mare, and she has won four races in a row. What do we do here? Do we uh, do we single keep your distance, or is there a way to beat her? Well, you know, I, I'm always a fan of the contrary single, um, and the problem is, I think I might have a contrary single here. Problem is, I don't think I can hit the I don't think I can hit the races prior to it uh, for a reasonable amount of money. But I, I we just mentioned some of the some of the local guys and some of the smaller barns having success and one of the guys I've noticed for a few years now and he's got a horse in this race is Jerome Miller and he does an amazing job with the number two horse in there Gianna's gift I think this horse is consistent he always runs well runs well at Churchill loves a one-turn mile I think he's going to get overlooked in the betting in this spot because keep your distance beat him by eight lengths the last time and uh you see all fact and keep your distance with all those wins in a row but I, I think I, I see John Cord we just mentioned as sharp as this horse ran incredibly sharp last time. If he doesn't bounce, to me he's the play in the race because everyone's going to focus on keep your distance and all fact who's somehow went from a nothing horse to a very a wind machine under Joe Sharp. I'll take a stand here and try to get uh, Gianna's gift in good form for a trainer I respect and a jockey I respect home. 
at five to one to end a pick four if I can somehow narrow down the any anyway the, the three races prior. But I, I like the price play on this one. Did you know that Mr. Jerome Miller is a former pro wrestler? I did know that. Yeah, I didn't. He goes by Frank, but he was a uh, he's a pro wrestler. I don't know. I don't know what his stage name was or, or however that goes. But uh, yeah, just a little insight on Mr. Miller. But uh, I hope uh, he's listening because I, I want to compliment. He's in a, he does a great job with this racehorse and a couple others. We'll point out. That he's, uh, this is the first leg of the pick four, middle pick four. Oh, so it is? Okay. If you like Gianna's gift as a single, you can kick it off here. And I think yeah. the rest of the legs are playable. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to try to, you know, I'll put in, a, I'll put in some sort of ticket, uh, ending with this horse, wherever, because I know that the, the crowd's going to navigate to the top two choices, and rightfully so. It may be throwing money away, but yeah, zig when they zag, zag when they zig, and. Well, I like the the favorite. I mean, you, you just can't hardly deny the favorite. But I will say that you know Deodoro, like Asmussen, we talked about earlier, has been relatively cold. Now he, he hasn't started a ton, but he's three. He's only three out of twenty one. That's a that's a barn that hits at twenty five percent, and well twenty seven percent on the year. But uh, but they haven't started a whole bunch to meet. And this is right. This is the best, probably the best mare in the barn that's going outside of maybe you know they're. Keep me in mind and, and some of those others, but uh, yeah. So. The horse is twenty has twenty lifetime wins. I'm not knocking the horse at all, but I mean, if if I find something better in a race prior, I might use the horse too. Uh, that said, you know, uh, I'm hoping Gianna's gift kind of pulls off a bit of a minor upset. Uh, race six, five and a half furlongs on the turf. This is uh, non-winners of a graded sweepstakes on grass. This is for three-year-old fillies. Uh, this is basically a rematch. Uh, some of the competitors in the Mamselle Stakes the Saturday after the Kentucky Derby. The favorite's going to be the winner of that race, the Mamselle, was Lady Edith, and she breaks from the rail for Tom Jury. Brian Hernandez rides. I think this is a good time to play against this filly. Uh, it was, uh, she won on a, on a really good trip, kind of split horses late as a daring move by Hernandez. I like number six going good for Brad Cox, Tyler Gaffleone. That com- combo that we've already mentioned. Uh, she had a really tough time of it in the Mamselle. Finished fifth. Broke slowly. Kind of checked most of the way several times. Found a seam down on the rail. And looked like maybe she might shoot on through, but she hung a little bit. And then kind of gave way late. Beating a length and a half, a length and a quarter. I think, uh, I think you know, she gets a, an outside post. She breaks from six out of eight. I think this is the time to uh, to bet going good for uh, for our next guest of ours, uh, Richard Klein, Klein Racing. Mm-hmm. You got anything I, tend, six? I tend to agree with you there. Um, as much as we love Lady Eve, we our love Lady, and, and we've had Tom Jury on, and I think that works is going to run exceptionally well again today. But if you look the way the the, the way this race plays out, it does look to be a three horse race. With this, uh, the Ward horse and uh, and Tom Drury, um, Tom Drury's Lady Edith. Uh, it's a bit of a stretch, with the exception of maybe a Malfi Princess to, to, to go any further. But we got a big pulse position change in this race, right? And uh, I, I think what you're gonna you're gonna see Lady Edith, who has come from off the pace last time. Now she may completely shoot from the rail here. If they do, they better watch out because this horse is fast. So. 
but I think you can make the argument that going good getting the six the six hole where I think last time she kind of got trapped on the inside and I think she got compromised. I think the race comes down to those two. I think it comes down to going good and Lady Edith. If Lady Edith shoots the front, they better watch out. But it draws much much better. Um, I'm torn between which one I like more. I would Gap Leon leaves Ward to go to to Brad Cox and going good. Of course, with Ward, who knows he who knows who he what his decision making was there. So maybe you can't put any stock in that. But I'm I'm torn between uh, Lady Edith and going good. And I'll either let the board tell me or I'll just play both. Fair enough. Let's go to race seven. Maiden special weight, three years old and up on the dirt, six and a half furlongs. And the favorite is on the also eligible list, so he may not even draw in. That's number 13, time leverage, 5-2 to two for Steve Asmussen and Ricardo Santana. Horses uh, hit the board twice in two lifetime starts. Finished second last time at 4-5 to five on May 15th at Churchill. Who do you like in race seven? I kind of hope this horse draws in. Because I think the horse can win the race, time leverage, but I think it might boost the odds of some of the other horses in the race. We should mention um, the last couple of days at Churchill, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of rain. We we believe they'll be on the grass tomorrow, but there has been a, a huge tendency to uh, bias towards inside speed. Am I if not mistaken? Correct. Uh, inside speed's been doing very well the last two days. Inside speed on the dirt, yeah. On the dirt, yes. Now who knows if that's going to play that way this weekend? They, they uh, we're going to have a little bit drier. Temperature for the next day or two, they may affect things. They're not going to race till six o'clock. A variety of things that happen, so you just something to keep in the back of your mind. Things may completely change by tomorrow. I hope they do. I like a fair surface, but uh, I do hope the Masters horse gets in because there's two in here that I like. I think Moore can win, but I think you got to like Ducal or Ducaley or Ducal. How you say for Brad Cox and Judd Mont? Tyler Gaffleon uh, leaves the Asmussen horse for this one, of course. Asmus may just be putting his guy Santana on his horse, but as you as you alluded to earlier, Gaffleon has made his way into the Cox barn. They're having a lot of success together. So the fact that Gaffleon shows up for Cox for Judmont, horse is working well. It's a twirling candy baby. Uh, I would have to have this horse on my ticket. Have to. The other one I find intriguing is a horse called Sam's Time, the two horse for Anamia. I love the the first race she had at Keeneland. The horse that won that was a, a well-bet horse from the, the uh, Mid-Atlantic called Sibelius, who under Luis Saez went wire to wire, but this horse chased this horse all the way down the stretch. And it only tired late, so I think you can expect another good effort from this horse. Uh, so, you know, it's Animus Shits that takes over. Uh, I, I'm leaning to the cow. I throw Sam's time in there as well, too. But And there's a, there's a few others in here that can win, but I don't want to go on and on about it. Uh, give me Ducal with a touch of Sam's time. I'm on Sam's time. I think that, that first start was tremendous here and a really fast buyer for speed figure. Uh, I love the pedigree, not this time as an up-and-coming sire. And a little birdie told me that the, the barn is really, really confident about this race. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so I think uh, if I play a pick five, I'm just going to single Sam's time. And I hope I hope the 13 draws in because I think he'll take a lot of money, and I don't mm. really at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there's a lot of horses in here. You, this might be a good – if you do like a horse like Sam's Time, this is a good race to – and everybody wants to think horizontally – I mean, uh, vertically – yeah, horizontally these days, pick fours, pick fives. If you like Sam's Time, if you like to cow whoever, you could have some chaos happen underneath these with a bunch of first-time starters. Um, this, uh, what I'm getting to, Superfectus, Trifectus, this could be one that pays a little something. 
if you like Sam's time and Ducal doesn't fire, so on and so forth. So you could have some generous payoffs here. But uh, I think we're kind of seeing things the same way. I think Sam's time has a big shot. i got to give Ducal a little bit of love too. So I, I would also mention that if you want to spread or, if you, like you said, you want to play a super fact, a horse like number eight out working who caught my eye in his debut on May 15th in that same time leverage race. He went toe-to-toe with time leverage going 21-1, and 44-2. And that was his first start. Tomlinson's not known to fire first time out. And this horse, you know, he gave way late, but he's, he's got tremendous early speed. And, you know, he, he could be a fly ointment for uh, Sam's time as well as time leverage. But, uh, you know, don't be surprised if he hangs on for part at uh, about, 10 or 15 to 1. How about a, a, a crazy price in a race, a crazy long shot, is uh, Ken McPeak's Royal Trist on, on the outside. He gets Sean Bridgman home, which they don't usually ride together. And uh, I know Hernandez is going to the Dallas Stewart horse in the rail, but I thought this horse showed a little bit of talent last year. Maybe he comes running late to pick up some pieces on his debut. I don't, I don't love the horse, but... At 30 or 40 to 1, I might consider inclusion in the bottoms of uh, exotics and stuff. So, But I think we kind of see this race the same way. Okay. Now, first leg of the late pick four, race eight. For three-year-olds and, or excuse me, three-year-old fillies, Lance Hopkins, Flamer, seven furlongs. The favorite and the very deserved favorite is probably going to be number 10, Joyful Cadence. For John Ortiz, Gabriel Saez, five to two. Morning line, this filly backs out of two stakes races. Uh, she finished in a a photo for uh, behind the Wesley Ward train Red Ghost in the Miss Preakness Stakes on the Preakness Weekend card at Pimlico, and then before that, she was second, beaten a half length by the Asmussen trained Abrogate in the Purple Martin. Uh, she's gonna be hard to beat here. What do you think? I'm gonna try to beat her. Uh, I've, uh, <laughs> I just, I think though, you know, I remember the, the Miss Preakness. It was a bit of a rugged speed duel, as I recall. Uh, they retired late. I think the Wesley Waterhorse somehow came back on the inside to win by a quarter of an eyelash, as I recall. It was a tough loss for Euphoric, and, and this is a great race by Joyful Cadence. I just don't want to take a short price in this race. Horse may that may have taken something out of the horse. It's the horse's uh, third track in the last couple months. Uh, you know, I'm willing to take a shot. I'm going to use. I would use the horse in the spread. Don't get me wrong. I think the horse easily won the race, but there's too many other ways to go that I find intriguing in here. And the guy we just mentioned a moment ago, uh, this might be the time I try to get get on that uh, Chris Hartman bus, even though it's probably already ran me over. Uh, I like code name Kate here at a bit of a price. Uh, ten to one. I don't think it'll be ten to one. Horse, you know, had a fabulous debut, winning, drawing off, stalking a pace, winning by six. Horse came back to win behind it. Went long the next time, showed speed, quit, but they've given the horse some time off. Worked 59 and two, has been working consistently, uh, since that mile and the 16th experiment. Probably just too much too soon for a young horse. I'm willing to give this one another crack. A crack. I don't think it'll be 10 to one. There's gonna be a couple of scratches in here because, the number 12 horse altered shot ran yesterday, and somebody else did too, right? Uh, somebody else ran. Uh, yeah, maybe that's right. I think. I mean, I, I think Platinum Skies got a shot. I like the effort last time against that uh, Australia on Derby Day, who's one hell of a Louisiana bred. 
I don't know, uh, Founders Day, I thought run a nice race last time. I think Fabricate woke up. Lady Frost is in good form. It's just there's too many other options in here for me to try to to take a uh, take a, a short price in here. But of the ones that I've rambled on and on about, I'll price that with Chris Hartman, uh, get get rich, bet Mitch, and number four, codename Kate. Well, I think I'm going to play, if I play, I'll play two pick four tickets. And mm-hmm. one of them I will definitely single Joyful Cadence because she's the one that's supposed to win this race. She was wide on, this was, uh, this was blackout suit today. And right. And if you remember back to that card, the rail was super live. Everything won on the rail. She's three to five wide around that turn. Uh, she was, she was, she was in a 3D course photo. The winner was beaten, Red Ghost. That was a Wesley Ward horse. She was beaten, and she re-rallied and just got her. No, it was just an inch to, to, to get up for the win. Uh, I made a note to play these horses when they come back, these horses that have wide trips, and Joyful Cadence is one of them. So I cannot, I cannot discount her now. So I'm going to play her. Now I'm going to play two horses underneath her. And one of them you might have mentioned was Codename Kate. I remember this filly broke her maiden easily at Oakland, and she earned a monster thoroughbred filler. Excuse me, thoroughbred figure. She came back and ran in that two-turn allowance race at Oakland, April 25th. Sent off at uh, seven or eight, eight to five, seven to five, something like that, and she bounced. She had to bounce. That that, that effort in her debut was just it was too big. And now she gets, what has it been, three months, two and a half months since that, that big debut. Hopefully she comes back around. If she comes back around to that big effort, she's got a chance to win this. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to play her underneath number 10, Joyful Cadence, but I will definitely use her in a saber pick four. And the other filly I'm going to use in there is number six, Founders Day, for Michael Ann Ewing. And... I, in my trip notes, this horse, she broke, uh, as I recall, she broke kind of slowly. She had some traffic trouble early, and she was like one of a few that was doing some really real running late. And she finished strongly, and I marked her to, you know, maybe to play her back. So I don't know if she's good enough to win this race, but she's good enough to maybe hit the board, maybe hit the super. And if I can play her under Joyful Cadence and maybe a, a, another smaller ticket to codename Kate, then it's going to pay something. But I'm going to use those three fillies in a saver pick four for sure because, uh, I, you know, I think those three are standouts in this spot. Uh, one thing about one more thing about codename Kate. Looking at the work pattern since they since they they stopped on her after that mile sixteenth race, I love the work pattern and the fact that she uh, she came back to work four furlongs, uh, slow four furlongs, and then a five furlong bullet, four furlongs. Five furlong, another five furlong bullet, trying to uh, set it for a seven furlong trip. I think that might be the way to go. So I'm anxious to see how this horse runs, but uh, we'll see how this one turns out. I think it's a fun betting race. Well, you can't, you can't discount that Philly with, with no. the way Hartman's horses are running. And I think the horse about nine to two. It, you, if you if you know that this Philly's got got that number to run back to, with the way Hartman's running right now, I think you've got to use this Philly. Yeah, and you know they, and you'll you'll notice it on the board. I mean, they 
they knew it was no secret in her first start uh, when they sent her off at a dollar sixty to one. So mm-hmm. yeah, this filly's got stakes potential written all over. So yeah, uh, it, be a fun race. Yeah, it'd be a good race. So race nine is the Old Forester Mint Julep Stakes, Grade Three, hundred fifty thousand dollars for fillies and mares. Mile sixteenth on the turf, and the heavy favorite here is going to be number two Juliet Foxtrot for Brad Cox and Judd Mont. Tyler Gaffleyon rides. This uh, mare, this six-year-old mare, is fresh off a win in the Jenny Wiley Stakes, a Grade One. She finally got her Grade One uh, at Keeneland, and she's going to be a heavy, heavy choice here. What do you do with Juliet Foxtrot? Permission to uh, take a sidestep for a moment and talk about the the. Uh, Night racing for a moment before we get into the mint julep. Ask your sure. permission. Uh, I'm an 80s aficionado. If you know me, I, I make no bones about it. I'm a music aficionado. They're going to be, they're going to be dedicating this night to 80s and 90s and 70s rock, if I'm not mistaken, which I personally love. I make no bones about that. Uh, that said, I want to ask you, who's your favorite 80s band, 80s hair metal band, 80s rock band, 70s rock band? Who, who, uh, who do you care for? Does Metallica count? Yes, I would say Metallica. Okay, all right. How about from a cheesy from a cheesy band standpoint, cheesy hair band? Oh, that's not really fair to them. But who do you like? Like hair bands, I think of Guns and Roses and well, not ACDC, not really hair band. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Just I don't think we ever discussed this as much as long as I don't know if we ever discussed this that much. So. I didn't know you were quite the Metallica guy, but Metallica's great. But maybe they'll play some. If they play a one or Inner Sandman, I'll think of you that night, okay? Yeah. Fair enough. Best bit underrated album, Metallica with the San Francisco Philharmonic Orchestra. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, fantastic. When they played one, that, that was awesome. Yeah. Awesome. If there's some younger people yeah. listening, get into Metallica. You, you really need to. Um but I digress. I just want to know your opinion on that. Uh, I, I love the fact that Churchill's doing that, and uh, I'll, I'll represent out there that night. So on to the mint julep, okay? You, what do you think Julia Foxtrot goes off at? Four to five. Three to five. You know my problem with Julia Foxtrot? I think the horse theoretically should win this race. She should win this race. But, you know, is, she's inconsistent. She'll, she'll fire a dud. Julia Foxtrot will fire a dud once in a while. Um, she won the grade one down at Keeneland last time. I don't think that was a great Jenny Wiley field. Um, I mean, Lawson Yar ran third. That horse is nothing special. Tama here is a Chad Brown horse that has not lived up to his hype. I'm not saying the horse shouldn't win. The horse should win. The horse should go wire to wire in this spot under Tyler Gaffleyon. Uh, singling. Juliet Foxtrot, I have a hard time doing it. I'm going to play a straight cold exacto, though, of Juliet Foxtrot and Sister Hanan. I think Sister Hanan is back at the distance she wants to be at. They've been running her too long, too far for too long. Double on the horse's kick, send her to the front. I think this horse is back where she needs to be. That's my long shot in the race. I don't know if she'll be. She's 10 to 1 in the morning line. I don't think she'll be 10 to 1. I think she may be more in the 7, 8 to 1 range. Uh, if I only use two horses in, in a pick four ticket or pick five, pick three, whatever, it would be Juliet Foxtrot and Sister Hanan. That's the way I see the race unfolding. I think there's a couple others in here that merit some consideration. Most notably, Dominga, if she's on her game, because I was never a big Dominga fan. 
but I love the way she ran at the fairgrounds. And then I think she bounced or something happened the next time out. So Brad Cox sees fit to put her in here. And I thought Minted's last race was a horse I never really liked, but she showed me up on Derby Day. Uh, I got to give Minted a little bit of love. But for me, it's it's the duo of Juliet Foxtrot and Sister Hanan for Ben Colbrook, who is well overdue to um, get himself a win at this meet. So give me those two horses. Well, Juliet Foxtrot's numbers just tower over this bunch. I mean, on her best. Sometimes she doesn't run her best. That's the only that's the only asterisk I'll throw in there. That's that's it's so frustrating. So you know, I, I think I think she's the one. I think she's gonna get on the lead. The only one other one that has any uh speed is well flash and dance is not fast enough to go with her. I don't think they wanna go with her. And then there's Dominga. Dominga's not they're not gonna go with her because it's the same stable. Uh so she should try to go wire to wire in here. I will give you. She should get. She should go wire to wire. Quite frankly. Yeah. It, well, it's fresh in my mind. I had her singled last year in this same race. She spit the bit. Yeah, she had a fairly easy trip. She was a dollar sixty to one there against uh, horses she should have beat, and she just quit in the final sixteenth of a mile. I will also mention one thing. I know you can get into your bomb, but one th- another thing, a tip of the cap in Juliet Foxtrot's favor is her two recent wins have come on yielding grass. Now, I don't believe the grass is going to be yielding tomorrow, but after the rain we've had this week, there should be a little bit of give to the ground. So that could probably only help her, plus Tyler Gaffleon, plus being low speed. She's going to be a heavy favorite, deservedly so. I just cannot single. And just knowing her, her history, although I would say she has a probably a good 60% chance of winning the race. But go ahead to this, to this bomb I want to hear. Well, let's uh, let's go back to last year, and um, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Palo Lobo unleashed a a really nice uh, South American import whose name has escaped me. Uh, yeah. right Ivar, Brazilian Brazilian import uh, named Ivar. Uh, same sire as this one. Uh, Agnes Gold is the son of Sunday Silence. My all-time favorite horse. And this mare's name is Vespa, number four. Trained by Palo Lobo, ridden by Joe Talamo. This filly won her first U.S. start in an allowance race at 32-1. to She ran down Social Dilemma, Social Dilemma, who finished, I think she finished off the board last Saturday. But uh, there was a, a next-out winner in that race. And... Uh, Vespa is a she's a five year old in the US but in reality she was born in August on southern hemisphere time so she's still a four year old so I think there's room for improvement from this mare I think she's got a shot to hit the board Mm -hmm. and she's probably going to get ignored Uh, if if she doesn't hit the board here I think I think Ivar didn't get really good until September or October uh, last year. So, you know, this she may need some development. But uh, Vespa's one to watch, maybe to hit the board at big odds. But uh, I'm probably going to single Juliet Foxtrot and just hope the class or the cream rises to the top. And, you know, uh, she's on the warpath. I'd like her a little bit better. She was uh, had a better post. Uh, breaking from the 11-hole. 
going a mile sixteenth. That's not the that's not the best uh, best situation for her. But uh, yeah, give me Julia Foxtrot and uh, Vespa underneath in the super. I like it. I think I may play just a super. I may just a Juliet Foxtrot with with sister ones with sister Hernan too, and then uh, start factoring some things underneath. But uh, we'll see. Again, I'm looking for this race. Uh, it's a. Fun, I think this is another fun race. I mean, night uh, turf racing at Churchill on a, on a nice June night. I mean, what can more can you want? Especially when you've got a uh, Def Leppard or Pearl Jam playing in the background, right? I mean, what more can you want? Yeah, about Def Leppard. Oh, I've, I've seen. I've seen. Oh, three times. I just wish they'd play some John Mellencamp because we all know, and I'm sure most of our listeners agree, he's the greatest artist of all time. But, uh, you know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right, go back over his catalog. Anyway. <laughs> I, I saw Mellencamp at Riverbend around circa 2001, 2000, something like that. In Why Cincinnati. A long time ago. But, uh, See yeah. him seven times. It was a fun concert. Oh. Yeah, it's great. On and on. Moving on. Race 10, starting allowance race, mile 16, three years old and up, mile 16th on the dirt. Southern Passage, number four for Dale Romans, Corey Lannery. Of course, comes off a fourth place finish behind Folsom, Obesos, and Helium in the Matt Wynn Stakes on May 29th. I got to be honest with you, I have no opinion in here. I think this is a good spot with the all button. Yeah, I'm not, I don't say I'm going to hit the all button. I'll uh, narrow it down. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I don't love the race. There's four I would that I would use, and there's two that I would lean on. Uh, I think number one, but I, I don't usually like playing horses like this. Uh, but Dale's Southern Passage has been in good form. Dale just keeps putting the horse in over his head. This might be the spot dropping into starter fifty. Uh, he has been running. He's run much better than his form appears. Uh, you know. Six by fifteen, a mask parade was not a bad race. Six by fifteen, and agenda is not a bad race. And then even with a slight drop in class, the horse was firing. So the starter fifty is going to be feel like a much softer spot for this horse. I can I can see where someone may look at this as a nice contrary single. I don't know if I can go that far because I can't trust horses like this. I can't trust Dale in a spot like this. So I'll use Winter Pool who for Chad Brown who blew the turn. And his maiden win, and still one going away. Uh, I would use uh, who's the other ones? Handy, who had a really nice race against. In fairness, a bad field last time, but did it the right way for Diodoro. Uh, this horse is in pretty good form. And then I, I would use Cazzarelli for Tom Amos, just because I think uh, this horse improves. It's been a bit of an improvement or whatever. I think the ones I like the most would be Southern Passage and Handy. Those are the two I would lean on, but I mean, the, the class relief for Southern Passage has to account for something here if the horse maintains his form. He's one for twelve. <laughs> I know, I know, but he's he has been in over his head, and the horses, the horses, if I'm not mistaken, the horse runs second to the to the the prevalence down at Gulfstream. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, prevalence, yeah. known agenda. So you know, they're, sometimes. Sometimes those good efforts against classier horses are just fool's gold. It's just like someone has to run third, someone has to run fourth. But I do think this horse can run pretty well. So, But you don't want to take a short price, do you? And the horse could be a short price. That This is one of those deals. I mean, it's either him or I think it could be anybody. I, Agreed. Uh, Handy's in good form, number six. He's in really good form for Diodoro. Uh, 
but uh, you know that's a that's a step up in class, and, and he's going two terms again. Uh, yeah, and that, again, that, as I was mentioned, that? that field he beat sucked last time. It was not a good field like, that no. he beat last time. But he no. did it the right way. He did the right. He it's not right his fault. So, uh, you know, there's. I initially said I would go all here, but there's some horses here. I really don't. I don't want to use number five Greener Pastures from McCarthy. I mean, that horse. He ran second to Wayakin, who was uh, ran a big number in that race, uh, one back. But you know. I, I don't know. It's 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 a tough spot. It's just a tough spot to to make a stand. And yeah. you're right. Southern Passage looks like a standout, but the horse never wins. So yeah, if if you went all in this race, if someone went all, I wouldn't blame them. Okay, last race, eleventh uh, race, one mile, maiden special weight, fillies and mares, three and up. Uh, favorite looks like number three, Smith's Point for Chad Brown, Tyler Gaffleon. And this filly made her debut on Oaks Day. She was a mile back. I went back and watched the race about an hour ago. She was a mile back and closed well, finished third behind Portilla and played hard. I'm not 100% sure how tough that race is because uh, played hard, came back to lose at four to five in her next start. Uh, Portilla runs on this car tonight. But Smith's point has a bright future I am a little concerned that they didn't just ship this filly back to New York. But, uh, I mean, she should be strong in her second start. What do you think? Uh, I think this race is, initially on paper, doesn't look that tough. I think it's a, I think this race is a bitch. Uh, I, 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 there's nothing I can sink my teeth into. Because let's, let's take a look, look at the pace of the race we mentioned earlier. That, uh, speed's been doing well, inside speed's been doing, well. tell me where the speed's at in this race for a one turn, I believe it's a one turn mile, is that correct? Yes. Uh, yes, show me where the speed's at. I mean, the Smith Point jumps off the page at you a little bit with that rally, but, and of course she'll be closer today, but, uh, if, if it does drop back, what's he gonna, what's he gonna run into? It may simply be, or she's gonna run into, may simply be the best horse in the race, but there's no speed at a one turn mile, there's, there's no legitimate speed. So you want a crazy long shot for me, something that you probably that, that really goes against the way I handicap. Um, I'm going to take a crazy stab, even with Dane Kabisky, Joe Rocco, uh, just for the hell of it. This uh, first time starter, uh, second row center. It's four hundred thirty five dollar four hundred thirty five thousand dollar purchase by Uncle Mo out of a Tappet mare. Kabisky and Rocco, if I'm not mistaken, one with a first timer last week going seven furlongs or a mile. Uh, they beat a really good horse. I like an extreme, about eighteen to one. Uh, it's maybe Kabisky and Roscoe's. They went wire to wire. Kabisky and Rocco, maybe they go try to go to the front in a paceless race. Who knows if they can hold it a one turn mile in the first start? That, that's a tall order. But the horse probably be overlooked on the board. Some of these horses have ran a lot and proven that they're not great horses. So I, I think Chad Brown. With the horse you mentioned, Smith Point and Bold Tactics for Wayne Catalano are the two to beat. Catalano has been ice cold, and uh, this horse—I thought we thought this horse figured a lot last time had a bit of a bad a bad break, and now this horse is going to the one-turn mile, which is going to you know doesn't already have a lot of pace to begin with. So I, I do think the two favorites are the ones to beat, but I'm going to take a stab with a first timer going to mile. For a trainer, I rarely ever bet in Dane Kabisky and take second row center of the eight horse. Seven horse. Seven horse. I do apologize. 
It's yeah, probably I'm, pointless anyway if you got the number wrong. That's probably not going to win. <laughs> so I'm going to use the uh, same ones you use, three, four, and seven. I'm going to add one more to that, and that's number one, a tapage ruby. De- definitely, definitely. Uh, I had this one marked. Uh, she earned a really slow speed figure in that debut effort on May 28th. But she didn't break all that well, and she was wide coming into the turn. I think she, you know, the, the running line says six wide. And she finished okay. It was a sloppy track. Well, it, it says wet fast, but it was sloppy. And she, she ran okay. She's got a little bit of pedigree. Of course, she's about to tap it. And Dallas has been okay at me, especially with these maidens. I'm going to use her uh, just in case. And I'm with you. I, you know, Smith's Point looks like the logical one off of that really nice effort last time. Bold Tactics has a really good figure in her first start. Uh, she she may be in a little bit of a, uh, a downward cycle. She may have to cycle back up to that effort, so she may not be ready to run her peak on Saturday. But you got to use her just in case. And like you said, there's not a lot of speed in here, and that's what Dane Kavisky trains his horses to do: is try to get out front. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think uh, that's the other one you use. But uh, uh, I mean, if there's one more that you had to use, it'd be Kizzy B number two. But she's old for eleven, and she just seems like one of those pack animals that doesn't want to win, just wants to be part of the pack. So you might be able to fade her at low odds. Right, so, yeah, right. I, I don't have anything. You know, crazy here, but just just give me one, three, four, and seven to finish off pick four, pick five. I would I would agree with that. I, I would agree with exactly the ones you use, and I hope that you got alive. And if I had those four, I'd be happy. But I would definitely I would want because you always you want to have that one to swing for the fence. The vivid contrarian one, people will you know who the you know the horse that everyone's going to include. So it's always nice to have those ones. It's not many people. Kabisky's horse might be that one. So we'll see. Should be a fun night though. Should be a fun. This man might be a little warm. Uh, I'm working. I'm working in the afternoon or the morning in the afternoon. So Lord knows what kind of condition I'll be in by late at night. But the plan is to be out there and hopefully enjoy uh, enjoy the day because they do night racing so well out there. Well, I've got one more horse I want to talk about. Oh, that's right. You do have one. Yeah, uh, we're going to north of the border. We're going to Woodbine, and I've been hit or miss. I've been trying to catch every race at Churchill, trying to make notes. And if I see a horse that I like, I've been pointing it out. And I was lucky to hit Go Tango. Go. Yes, he did. That was a great call last week. Great call. Roger Adfield trained, trained her. And, and I've got another one that's trained by Adfield that's showing up at Woodbine on Saturday named Confident. And Confident basically ran the same race that Go Tango Go did in her last start. Uh, she was just a mile back behind a slow pace. And really wasn't asked until the top of the stretch. And she finished well to split the pack. Now, her, I will say her effort in that race was not as impressive as Go Take Go. But confident is still maiden. She now shows up at uh, Woodbine going a mile on turf. She gets a monster, that long stretch at Woodbine, she, I, maybe three-eighths of a mile. So she's got a long stretch to un, uncork a rally. Uh, she's uh, That's race eight on Saturday. She's breaking from post eight. I'm going to use confidence. I'm going to better. I, I don't. I don't even know what's in the race, but I'm going to better win in place, uh, and we'll see what happens. But what uh, are her odds? I, I, I haven't. Honestly, I, I have no idea. Let me let me find out. 
I can draw it up here real fast. I'm look, yeah, for folks who don't know, uh, he had his best bet on our pod last week with Caitlin. It was Go Take Go, who, despite being a five-horse field, blew by the pack in, I don't know, seven, eight to one, something like that for Roger Atfield. So I'm going to pay attention. Eight, eight to, to one, one. I'm confident. Yeah, she's a, uh, a daughter of Tonalist out of a Giants Causeway mare. But uh, I, she's worth a look. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet the farm on her. But, you know, 20 to win. That'd be all right. There you go. 20, or, you know, 50 to win or 500 to win or, you know, whatever, whatever you that's, feel comfortable with, folks. Let's not go that far. That's not good. Well, the horse's name is confident. I mean, what more can you want, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I just, it felt like a prep for this, for this, uh, for this start of Woodbine. I think the other one was probably a prep too. I don't, I'm not sure they knew Woodbine was going to open when, uh, Go Take Go ran last Saturday. Right. You know, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think Atfield would, would rather win at Woodbine than he would. Churchill anyway so right give it a look okay all right well hope everybody enjoys the card hope everybody has fun we I wish CC could be with us on Saturday night but uh he'll make his presence felt before the meet's over I would say correct sir and don't forget don't forget next Saturday is the wedding of the year the social event of our lifetime is next exactly yes uh eat your heart out uh uh, Prince Charles and Lady Di it's uh, Brandon Jaggers, correct, is getting married. Yes. So that's next Saturday evening. Are you bringing the doves? Huh? Are you, they probably already have doves, right? I, uh, I don't know. Is it a carriage? Are they having a carriage? Or? I don't know. Brandon might turn into a pumpkin at midnight, though. <laughs> Definitely. Definitively. So I'm sure he's going to be having fun this week. So, yeah, a social event of the year. Yep. No doubt about it. All right, that's it for now. Uh, we, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you made it all the way through. And uh, we'll have some more for you next week. On behalf of Alan Schneider, I'm CC Broadus, reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.